You can take your copy of God's Word, if you have your Bible with you, open up to the little book of Jude. So far in Jude, we've heard Jude warning us to be on guard against false teachers. He's warned about the destiny of false teachers. He's described them. This morning we come to our final study here in Jude where we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 25. And what we're going to find in these closing verses is a change from what we've been seeing. What we've been seeing is a warning. Now we're going to be getting instruction on how we should live because of the danger of false teaching, the danger of deception. It's really a charge from God through Jude that clarifies how you can best guard yourself and guard your family and guard the church from false teaching. And what Jude is giving us here is a charge to invest in your spiritual life. Invest in your spiritual life. What we've been seeing in Jude is the very real danger that awaits you if you fail to invest in your spiritual life, if you ignore or neglect your spiritual life. You need God's Word for this, and and so we turn to God's Word this morning. So what follows is important for us all. Follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the little book of Jude, and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So, how are you to invest in your spiritual life? We could summarize these final verses in Jude with the following five words, and I'm going to do that this morning. Here are the five words that we're going to focus on. Uh, Build, pray, keep, wait, and witness. Build, pray, keep, wait, and witness. Let's start with build. Look at verse 20 again. But you, beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do you invest in your spiritual life? Jude says, uh, inspired by God, building, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. He starts with that beloved. Beloved, says Jude. He's writing this letter to believers. I wonder, are you, a, uh, are you numbered among the beloved? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are numbered among the beloved. You are beloved by God. You ought to rejoice over that. And how does God intend for His beloved, His children, to build themselves up? First, I want you to note what this is not. What this is not. Building yourself up here does not mean that you need to build up how you feel about yourself. (laughs) 
Now, sometimes that can be dangerous territory. We're not talking about building up your self-esteem. There are many well-meaning Christians who place a lot of emphasis on feeling good about yourself. This is not that. This is not what Jude is referring to when he says, building yourselves up. In fact, I think many believers would be helped greatly by not thinking more highly of themselves, but by thinking about how depraved they were and still would be without Christ. How grateful we ought to be that God drew him to drew us to himself. If you're a believer in Jesus, God drew you to himself. You weren't looking for him. He was looking for you. Every believer in Jesus is living a life better than they deserve. Don't ever forget that. And so this is not uh, this is not a self-esteem pep talk from Jude. What Jude is pointing to here is building up your spiritual life. And this is important because for believers in Jesus, a growing spiritual life will strengthen every area of life. Every area of life should should not be untouched by God's Word. Every area of life should be touched and influenced and motivated by the truth of the Scriptures. And paying attention to your spiritual life will help protect you against false teaching. And this is an ongoing process. This never ends this side of eternity. That's one of the things I so appreciate about getting older. When, when we get older, we uh, get more frail and we experience maybe more sickness and more health issues, but our spiritual life can, can mature and mature and mature all the way until the day the Lord calls us home. Isn't that incredible? It should be true of us. How do you build up your spiritual life? Jude tells you, in verse 20. Look at it again. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, you will only build your spiritual life if you begin with the Bible. You need the, the Word of God. You need the Scriptures. You need God's Word to change you. The Holy Spirit is all about changing you. But the Holy Spirit takes the Word and uses it to transform your mind which transforms your affections, the things you desire, the things you pursue and want. Reading and listening to and understanding and obeying God's Word is essential to building your spiritual life as a believer in Jesus. Uh, listen to these words from Colossians 2, verses 6-8, through 8, which really show, uh, show what this looks like when it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you do that? How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You received him by faith. And so the passage says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk in him. Keep walking with Christ by faith every day. Verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, see to it, and here he's getting into Jude's territory, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He's saying the same things that we're hearing in Jude, isn't he? 
And just as Jude has done, uh, Paul warns against false teachers and unbelief. So beloved, church, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. You might wonder what's holy about it. Well, it's holy because it, it comes from God. God is holy. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. It's, holy. it's a holy faith because it comes from God who is holy and is a faith in God that grows you in holiness. Not goody-two-shoe-ism. <laughs> we ought to long to be more like Christ. How's that? We ought to long to be more and more obedient. Not because we're trying to gain something from God. Not because we're trying to earn our way to eternal life. No, no, we have the gift of salvation through Christ. And because we are Christ and because Christ is in us, we ought to want to serve Him. Our, our desires will change and be transformed and so that we are seeking to grow up in Christ. That leads us to another way you are to build your spiritual life. It's also seen in verse 20. It's that word pray. Pray. Jude is exhorting you with this in verse 20. Look at it again. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You're building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. We hear the same thing in Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Oh, we need to pray for one another, don't we? Prayer is vital to the life of the church. Prayer is vital to the life of your, your spiritual life. Now, what is praying in the Holy Spirit? This is, let me tell you again what it's not. I'll lead with what it's not. It is not speaking in tongues, as some might suggest, Praying in the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. We just heard uh, from Paul, Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit. And so we don't know that this isn't speaking in tongues because we're to be praying at all times in the Spirit. Note this, believers pray with the Holy Spirit's help. How do you know this? How do you know this? The Bible tells you that you have the Holy Spirit living in you if you are Christ. This is a sharp contrast to the false teachers Jude has warned us against who are devoid of the Spirit. Just one verse back. We saw it last week. Verse 19. It is these, that's false teachers, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is praying with the Spirit's help. That's one, that's one facet of it. You have the Holy Spirit's help to help you pray, help you learn how to pray. As you take in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit helps transform your prayer life with the wisdom of God's Word so you know what to pray and how to ask and what to pray for. So praying in the Spirit is praying with the Spirit's help. Romans 8 and verse 26 sheds light on this when it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings 
too deep for words. Praying in the Spirit also means you have the Holy Spirit to help you check your motives as you pray. Because it's actually possible to pray with selfish motives. Or is it just me? You, you ever catch yourself doing that? Praying for the thing that you so want that you're, you're not even paying attention to what the Lord might want. James 4, 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. So that obviously we pray with wrong motives at times. He says to spend it on your passions. When you pray, your prayer should be leaning on the Spirit, asking for the Lord to give you the desires that you the, the desires that would please him, that your desires would be transformed to be his desires. And you can only know that by knowing the word. And so it's back to the Bible for us. You know the Spirit's will as you read the Bible and listen to the Bible and obey the Bible. And that should transform your prayer life. That's praying with the Holy Spirit's help. That's praying in the Holy Spirit. So build your spiritual life and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, word number three, it's keep. Keep. Look at verse 21 again. Jude says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you do that? How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Again, I'll lead with what this is not. (laughs) Jude is not saying that you are keeping yourself saved. He is not saying that you are working for your salvation. In fact, we know that to be true because he said this at the beginning. In verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and, here's an important word, kept for Jesus Christ. So thank goodness you don't have to keep yourself saved, or you wouldn't be. Think of it. Every time you sin, you would be unsaved if it was up to you to keep yourself saved. God keeps you in Christ. Praise God. Because of Christ, and not because of what you have done, or are doing, or will do. That's why you are living a life better than you deserve. Here's a passage that will help you understand what Jude means here when he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. John 15, 9. And if you want to turn there, we're going to look at a few verses here, so turn with me. John 15, 9, as I read verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's John 15, 9. Abide in, or here's what this is getting at. Live under, remain in the love of Jesus. Love God and walk with God by loving His Word. Love His people. Love His church. Love Him by surrendering to His will being done as you pray. 
You know, we go back to prayer. That's, that's part of praying, asking for God's will to be done, not your own will to be done. You really, you really should want God's will over your own because uh, yours can be ill-informed at times. But there in John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is all the opposite. The, the point here is the, it's the opposite of sin. Sin will hinder your fellowship with God and make you feel like he is far away. So what Jude is pointing to here is fighting temptation and sin when he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And we have God's word and prayer and his spirit to help us do that every day. And I think that's clear in John 15, 9. And in fact, I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 again. Look at verse 9 again. I already read it. But as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's like when Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. You don't keep yourself saved. You don't earn your salvation. So how do you keep yourself in the love of God? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now verse 10. Here's the answer. How do you do that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, says verse 10. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. We just observed the Lord's Supper together, which was a very clear reminder that Jesus humbled Himself before the Father's will. The Father willed that He die for our sins. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's a sign in verse 11. There's a signpost that you are keeping yourself in the love of God. You know what it is? It's when you experience His joy, His contentment. It's contentment that's outside of anything that you could create. It's joy outside of anything that you can muster up. So keep yourselves in the love of God. Back to Jude. Back to Jude. So keep yourselves in the love of God. By Here's how. By staying where God promises to bless. Where's that? God's blessing is only promised as you seek to be done with sin. Some of the Puritans put it this way, kill sin, kill sin, mortify sin, put sin to death in your life. That's a daily, a daily task. God's blessing is only promised as you kill sin in your life and obey him, obey his word. So, there's verses 20 and 21. In those two verses, Jude has given you the charge to build your spiritual life. And that happens when you build yourself up in your most holy faith, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, when you keep yourself in the love of God. Now that's important because of what comes next. Here's number four. Word number four is wait. Wait. 
No one likes to wait. That's why someone invented the microwave, right? <laughs> and we're all happy about that. Nobody likes to wait. That's why I quit using charcoal and went back to gas on my grill. Because I don't like to wait. No one likes to wait. But what a believer in Jesus is waiting for is worth it. And, and God is with you through it as you wait. Says Jude in the second half of verse 21. Look at it again. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Waiting. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's living with an, eternity, with an eternal perspective, with eternity in view. That's living today in a way that pleases God now and prepares you well for an eternity with Him. It's true that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, then you are already experiencing the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. But this life is not easy. It's God's mercy through Christ that helps you get through it with Christ. Thank the Lord. We have Christ to help us through this life that is not easy. But on that day in eternity, when you see Jesus face to face, you will experience that mercy in a new way and you will be able to say it was worth it all. Waiting was worth it. It's like that hymn, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. On that day, and for all eternity, you'll be done with temptation and sin, and sorrow and pain and suffering and conflict. Won't that be the day? That'll be the day. And beloved church, it's worth it to wait. Let's learn how to wait well. You can wait with confidence and joy because God has given you His Spirit and His Word and prayer. And His church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage you as you wait. Which leads us to what we're supposed to do while we wait. Because we're not supposed to do nothing. <laughs> two, two negatives in a sense. That's not right, is it? We aren't to be doing nothing, are we? No. Here's number five. The fifth word. Do you remember what it was? It's witness. Now the word witness is not in the text, but it's, to me it's obvious. It's obvious that that's what Jude is calling us to. In verse 22, Jude says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Now Jude is likely talking about people who were believers, but were, uh, weren't grounded firmly in their faith yet. These false teachers that he's warning against may have stirred up their doubts. And even you and I, we have our doubts, don't we? And, and we would be like the man whose son was healed by Jesus and said, I believe, 
help my unbelief. Believers who doubt need your mercy. Don't say, just believe. Like, just do it. Have mercy on those who doubt. And I would suggest, here's how you do that. You help them see how imperfect you are. And I'm not suggesting that we have a license to sin. But don't, don't pretend you're perfect. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ see your imperfections, but the fact is that your desire is to keep growing in Christ and that you are changing day by day. If we all hang around for another 10, 15, 25 years, we ought to look at each other and go, you're not the person I knew 10, 15, 25 years ago. You're changing. You're becoming more Christ-like. That ought to be true of all of us who long to be like Jesus. And those who doubt need to know they're not alone. And they need to see other believers who've come through doubt or who are coming through doubt. They need to see other believers who are growing, who are imperfect but growing as they wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Jude also tells you in verse 23, look at verse 23 again, save others by snatching them out of the fire. These are unbelievers who also need your witness. They need your witness. That's another reason to read the Bible and to pray for God's help. As you read the Word, you're strengthened for a witness. You'll be able to tell people about Jesus and what He has done and what He is is doing. And as you pray and ask for God's help, God will help you witness Look at verse 23 again. It says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now what is this? What is this? Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. The idea here is that showing, that is that of showing mercy with caution. This is not hating people This is not hating people who sin. This is not hating people who are steeped in unbelief. This is not even necessarily hating false teachers. But but the idea here is hating what it does to people. It's a righteous kind of indignation and hate that we would hate what false teaching does to people. How it leads them away from the one true God. That ought to stir us up to want to witness the truth to unbelievers who are captured by Satan in their thinking. You must, even as you witness to unbelievers also, though, be guarding yourself, be guarding your own life, your family, and God's church against unbelief and against false teaching. That's the idea here with this hating even the garment stained by the flesh. You must do that by being devoted to the Word of God, centering yourself, even God's church, and your life on the Word, standing firm in the truth no matter what. Will you stand firm on the truth of God's Word no matter what? That will strengthen your witness. Are you devoted to that? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 reminds you to take this seriously when it says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. 
Devote yourself to standing on the truth of God's Word no matter what. And as you witness to people entangled in error, be careful that you aren't tempted to water down the Word. Be careful that you aren't tempted to pick and choose what you believe about the Bible. Believe it all. It's all God's Word to you and it will strengthen your witness to believe it and obey it. Because if you pick and choose, if you water down the Word, you will weaken your own faith and the faith of others in the process. As we keep going here, verses 24 and 25 are a wonderful doxology. We've read them now a couple of times. Wonderful doxology about how God should get the glory through our Lord Jesus Christ, but it actually teaches you how to prepare yourself to witness and be guarded from false teaching at the same time. Look at this again. Verse 24 shows you that God should be glorified in all that you do as believers in Jesus and as His church. And this is a powerful witness to the world as we give God glory and point to the one to whom the world should worship. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, keep you from error, keep you for all eternity, keep you from stumbling, present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. This is a wonderful word of witness. I'm not blameless. You're not blameless in and of yourself. Why are you blameless if you're in Christ? It's because you're in Christ. Is because of the Lord Jesus Christ's sinless perfection and His sacrifice for you on the cross. Focus on glorifying God with all that you do and you will be guarded from unbelief and false teaching and your witness will be strong. And verse 25 strengthens your faith even more and informs your witness even more. Look at verse 25 again. To the only God. Hello, the world needs to hear this. There's one true God. It is not kind to say there are many gods or there are many ways to God. That's not true. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's the final word, isn't it? There is one true God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ the Lord, and may He be glorified in His church, in our families, in our lives. There is one God. The Lord Jesus Christ is God and Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we celebrate at Christmas. The world around us is celebrating Christmas, but many of them are not celebrating Jesus. We had better celebrate Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one with all majesty, dominion, and authority from before the beginning of time as we know it. And now, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one with all majesty, dominion, and authority now. Now. 
and forever. That's what unbelievers need to see from God's Word. That's what unbelievers need to see in your life lived out. That's what unbelievers need to hear from your lips as you have opportunity to witness. Let your life be a witness. Let your lips be a witness of this truth. Look around you and think about who it is God wants you to interact with, who He has you interacting with every day. Those are the people He wants you to witness to. And so this is how we build and pray and keep and wait and witness. Powerful little book, Jude. May we be those people who are praying that God will guard us all from unbelief and from false teaching and that He will strengthen our spiritual lives as we wait, that we will witness as we wait, that we will build up our spiritual lives and pray and keep ourselves in the love of Christ by obeying Him and wait well with a powerful witness to the glory of God.